0: So we're going to be continuing our our Sunday school stories that we've been looking at since August. And as you just heard in the children's moment today, we're going to be learning a little bit about Esther. And so at this time, I invite everyone just to follow along in your own Bible or read the words on the screen as we read the entire fourth chapter, which is not that long, of Esther. When Mordecai learned all that had been done... Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went through the city, wailing with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, and for, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In every province, wherever the king's command and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and most of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maids and her eunuchs came and told her the queen... ...was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai... ...so that he might take off his sackcloth... ...but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hathcote... ...one of the king's eunuchs... ...who had been appointed to attend her... ...and ordered him to go to Mordecai... ...to learn what was happening and why. And he went to Mordecai in the open square of the city... ...in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him... ...and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay... ...into the king's treasury for the destruction of the Jews. And Mordecai also gave a copy of the written decree issued to Susa for the destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and charge her to go to the king to make supplication to him and to entreat him for her people. Hathach went and told Esther that what Mordecai had said, then Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a message for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king's inside the inner court without being called, There is but one law to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone, may that person live. I myself have not been called to come to the king for 30 days. And when they told Mordecai what Esther said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just a time as this. Then Esther replied to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, neither eat nor drink, for three days, nights, and day. I, my maids, will also fast as you do. And after that I will go to the king, and though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. So this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is a saying, uh, a saying by a Roman philosopher named Seneca. And some of y'all probably have heard this saying before, but I like it. Basically, it says, luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Alright, luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And so, many of us can reflect on times in our lives where, you know what, we probably got pretty lucky. For whatever the reason is. And more than likely, it's when we had that preparation, and we met that opportunity, then luck ensued. Well, there was a scary situation that took place back in January of 2009 where a group of people thought they were going to die, but they got pretty lucky in the end. What happened was, and we, we know this story, U.S. Airways Flight 1549 began boarding at New York's LaGuardia Airport at 3.15 p.m., full of passengers, 150 passengers, five crew. Then at 3.27 p.m. after it had taken off, it ran into a flock of Canadian geese. Both engines shut down and the plane was doomed to crash. Now the pilot thought real quickly, how can I save us? We're over a, a, a city area and I'm not close enough to the airport to land this plane. So what did he do? He landed it on the Hudson River. Okay, this is now ringing a bell with some of you guys. And the captain's name is Sully. The movie made about it, Tom Hanks. If Tom Hanks ever plays you in life, you've done something pretty important. Okay, so played by Tom Hanks. And uh, it's just a really good story out of a tragic event. But what happened was it ended up being pretty lucky that it was Captain Sully at the plane because he had been flying commercial aircraft for 30 years prior to this point and also was in the Air Force prior to that. So he was very well prepared to handle pretty much any crisis possible. And I think he handled it very well where all people survived by landing on the Hudson. All 150 and five crew were able to walk out onto the wings of the plane in the Hudson and be rescued by boats within four minutes. So that was a pretty lucky event for those people. When you look at today's story, when you look at today's story with Esther and what happens here, I believe that also this is an opportunity, a divine opportunity That someone was prepared to handle. Whether they realized it or not. And that is Esther. Esther is the right person, the hero in this story. For the Jewish people living with in the Persian Empire at this time. To give you a little bit of some context. Of what happened prior to this fourth chapter. Is that King Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus, ruler of the Persian Empire. Holds a lavish 180 day banquet. Had a 180-day party. Finest foods, wine all the time. It was great for the king and his inner court. They were just partying for 180 days. Then afterwards, he has a seven-day banquet for all the inhabitants of the capital city. Well, during this banquet, he ordered his wife, the queen, to come into the inner court with her crown on and just amazed the crowds with her beauty. It's exactly, she exactly his, his little pawn, you know. She didn't like it. She said no, in front of all these people, embarrassed the king. And so he had to do something. He threw her out of the palace. He said, I'm done with you. You're no longer queen. If you embarrass me like that, leave. And threw her out because she would not... Belittle herself, it was very belittling to do that, to parade herself around full a bunch of the king's friends in the palace. So she said no, he threw her out. Then he made a decree. And the decree said that all men should be basically rulers of their household and no one should challenge them. So all the guys got this decree from the king hey, you're head of household, no one can challenge you. He went way over the top. Then after all of that, he had to pick a new queen. So what did he do? He called all the most beautiful ladies he could find, had them parade around in front of him, and then he picked a Jewish girl that was orphaned named Esther. But she did not tell the king that she was Jewish. He didn't know that piece at this point in the story. And so she began to live the finest life, have the finest you know palace rooms and maids and servants and all of that. And then her uncle Mordecai heard of a plot from two guards that were planning to assassinate the king. Well, Mordecai went and told the king of this plot, saved his life by doing so, and the guards were killed. And so Mordecai was elevated in status with the king. Then the king appoints kind of like a viceroy named Haman... And he was kind of like the king's hand. He, he did all the dealings for the king. Everybody was supposed to bow down to him. Because when you bow down to him, you're showing respect for the king. Well, Haman, when he got his new title, went out into the city. Of course, he's going to try out his new status. and Say, hey, everybody, bow down to me. Come on, bow down to me. And people did. Except for Mordecai. Mordecai would not bow down. Because he only bows down to one king. And that's God. And so Mordecai then was hated by Haman. And Haman went to the king, gave the king a little bit too much to drink, got the king to make a decree. And in this decree, all Jewish people were going to be put to death on a certain date. And then that decree went out and was read throughout the empire. And that is where we get to this scene here. Where Mordecai had heard the decree that his people were going to be murdered including him, and he is going to the only person that he knew that would be available, who was prepared to go to the king and plea for mercy amongst the Jewish people, to not do this. And at first, Esther says, no, no one's allowed to go into the inner court unless you're called upon. But yet he persuades her. And so when you get to this scene here, you can see that Mordecai is grieving Whenever it says in Scripture, they put on sackcloth and ashes, that is immense grief. It's an outward showing of grief. It's very common in the Old Testament days to do that. But when you do that, you couldn't approach the king. The king had a layer of protection that would not allow anybody like that to come and approach him. So he had no way to go to the king. That's why he called for Esther. And all throughout the empire, people were putting on sackcloth and ashes because they too were saddened by the decree. It was immense grief for the Jewish people in the Persian Empire. Now, Esther, surrounded by her maids and eunuchs, she was distressed that her uncle was so saddened, but didn't know the reason why. This kind of gives you an insight on how separate the queen and the king truly were. They weren't living side by side all the time. She was kept away, and when he needed her, he would call on her. But it's been 30 days since she has been called upon. He has not seen her for 30 days. So she's been isolated from the king and did not know very well that this decree had gone out. And so she went to Mordecai, sent her people to Mordecai to clothe him, but then he sends the message back telling her why he is sad, why he is grieved, why the empire, all the Jews in the empire... Are grieved. And when she heard that, when she heard that, she was then presented with an opportunity. She was then presented with an opportunity. Did she not go to the king and just let this decree happen and see if she would be caught up in it and be killed as well? Or would she approach the king, still risking death? Because if you'd go to the king while not summoned, you could be put to death. But would she risk that also to save her people? She was presented with this opportunity. Now, when you read Esther, and if any of you have done a Bible study on Esther, the word Yahweh, God, is technically not mentioned at all in that book. And so some people are wondering why does it end up in the Bible if it doesn't even mention the word God. But I think when you read the full chapter, you can see the Spirit of God moving throughout the story. I think it's intentionally put in there because in our own lives, I believe that God interacts with us, but sometimes it's in subtle ways. It's not the big burning bush moment. You know, We all wish God would just put it in our face what he wants us to do, right? Just say, hey, God, say it verbally really loud. I'm kind of slow and stupid, so say it really loud. What am I supposed to do? What do you need me to do? How do I handle this situation? But very few of us are given that opportunity to have God so directly tell us something. Now, there are people out there that happened. And there's moments where we're like, that's definitely God right there. But there's a lot of times where we have to reflect and pray about it and say, where is God in this and what is he asking me to do? And so I think we have this scripture, this book, because it's one of those moments. As you're reading it, you can see God's presence moving and weaving in and out of it. All the way to the salvation and the saving of the Jewish people. You see him move through Esther. You see him move through Mordecai. You see where these opportunities come for her to stand up, for her to act, to save her people. You also see evil. You see evil played out through Haman. This is one of my favorite VeggieTales videos, by the way. If you watch VeggieTales, it's the Esther one. The whole time I was preparing for this, I just see these characters as their vegetable selves. But anyway, it's a really good one. But you do see these themes of good and evil play out in this book. And I I believe it's there for us to, to see that, see how it's moving there, so then we can see how God is moving in our own lives. Teaching us how to be aware of where the Spirit is leading us. These divine opportunities that we're given each and every day. We get to see those and we get to act upon them. I mean God's going to get his plan accomplished one way or the other. That's what Mordecai says that. He says, "Look, if God wants to save the Jewish people, if the Jewish people are going to be saved, then they will be saved. But you may die, but ultimately God will prevail." And so, in these moments and in our lives, how are we positioning ourselves to see the spirit and see these opportunities? Are we daily spending time in prayer, reflecting and asking God ...the direction for us. Looking back on those God moments... ...that we may have missed in that exact moment... ...and be like, you know what, God was there. God was trying to tell me this. Because Esther here, you you can sense Esther's... ...deep devotion to her people. Mordecai's deep devotion to his people as well. How they were willing to risk their lives... ...to go to the king. How she was willing to risk herself to save her people... And that's only because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Taking advantage of that opportunity, which makes those people pretty lucky to have had her in that moment. They were really lucky to have Esther as their hero in that moment. As the story goes on beyond the fourth chapter and as it plays out, it it has this beautiful parallel to it where it starts out with a banquet. It starts out with Mordecai saving the king and then Haman plotting but then it pivots to where Esther's faced with the decision to go to the king. And then you begin to see things change. The king realizes one night when he had trouble falling asleep that Mordecai saved his life. But Mordecai was never, never honored. And so when the king realizes, as this turn of events, he ordered Haman to put Mordecai on an animal and, and walk him through the, seats, the, the city. So people can praise him. So here's Haman having to carry Mordecai around town as Mordecai gets praised. And then from that point on, Mordecai and Esther work on the king. They work on the king to help him realize that Esther is going to be one of these people that will be killed if the decree goes out. And the interesting thing with decrees is that you cannot undo a decree. Once it's there, it's set in stone, which is another reason why they were so grieved at the beginning. They knew there was not going to be a repeal. So the only way you can do is you make another decree. And what the king did is he made a decree allowing the Jewish people to arm and defend themselves if anybody tries to come and put them to death on that date of the original decree. It's kind of more violence to solve violence, but that's the Old Testament way of doing things. And so that's what happens. The Jewish people were able to defend themselves, and they eliminated any threats to them and their people. And so their place in that empire was secure. And then Haman, uh, he made a gallows of a sort that was going to execute Haman. Sorry, Haman's going to execute Mordecai with that. Turn of events, Haman ended up being executed on that. The king ordered him to be put to death by the same thing he created to kill Mordecai with. And so at the end of the day, evil was defeated. Evil was defeated. So you have this complete turn of events in the story of Esther. And this story here speaks to each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. You know, while God's not mentioned in this, in this book, God definitely is present. God is present in our lives, calling us to go and serve other people. We have many opportunities to go out and be the light of Christ to our world. Our church does many things that we do to reach out to people of the world. We have neighbors that are close by that need to experience God's grace. Needs to see somebody who loves God and also loves them. And so the story also parallels a lot of the themes in scripture. Where we are called to take these opportunities to show God's love to the world. We are called to reflect and love God and see where God has been in our own lives. We need to be more like Esther, the female hero of this book for which she's named after. And that is tough. That is tough. Many of us will at times retreat from these divine opportunities because we're too afraid. Fear will overcome us. We'll begin to doubt ourselves. We'll be beginning to think, what would the the community think if I did this? Would I look kind of crazy if I did this? Would this even help this individual? Do I have the ability to do this? Many times we doubt ourselves. We allow our worries and our anxieties to play out in our heads. And before we know it, we're not seeing and, and going after that divine opportunity that we we're called to do. We allow those things to take over our minds and rule us. And so it is tough. It is tough. There's no easy decision sometimes in life when it comes to divine opportunities. There's risk involved. But Jesus Christ took risk all the time. And if we are called to follow him, we have to accept that there's going to be risk with our faith. Sometimes it's not safe. But we were never given that guarantee of it always going to be safe either. And so we go with the faith of God, with the assurance of God is with us. As we go about and achieve and do these divine opportunities that are presented to us. And so I think the calling that we have is a tough one. But yet we do so because of what we were and we are loved. And we want the world to experience that love as well. We're not meant just to keep it here. Keep it with us and not share it. It's a gift to be shared. That's why I like our mission statement. I say it a lot here at the church. We're a family of faith. We're reaching out to share what we all get to experience each and every day, and that's the love and grace of Jesus. And it is an amazing gift to share, especially to people who are hurting, people who are lost, people who don't experience it daily because their mind is so flooded with other things that we can break through for them with the help of God. Just as Esther broke through to the king, just as they helped him realize how much she loves her people, And how wrong that was initially. And so as we go throughout this week, may we not forget this story of Esther. May we see how she reacted with that opportunity. May we see those opportunities and react the same way. By taking the risk, by stepping out there each and every day. By staying connected to God, discerning his will for our lives. And while that may not be easy, we do it with the faith. That God is with us each and every step of the way. And may we do that this week. Let's pray.